like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. So, we are here this week, uh, the second episode of July 2021, uh, with our biopic theme for the month. Um, we're going to be talking about 42 from uh, 2013, which is weird to say so many numbers in a row that are not directly connected to one another. But um, the biopic about Jackie Robinson, uh, we will get into that in a little bit. But before we get into our review of the uh, feature film of the week, we like to talk about what's been going on since the last time we recorded and what else we've been watching. So, Corey. How you doing? I'm fine. Um, it's the weekend. I'm happy. It was actually below 100 degrees yesterday. That was amazing. What? Uh, that's a weird... Oh, you know, we had a tropical storm this week, now that you mentioned it. I, I kind of forgot that was a thing. Um, I hate that about Florida sometimes, where it's like, we get a little cocky when one doesn't do anything. And people start like, oh, who didn't do anything? It's like, yeah, yeah, but that's what we wanted. We didn't want it to do anything. So let's not talk crap. Um, but I just did, like, on accident. Because I was like, oh, yeah, totally blanked on that. Totally did. Like, forgot that was two days ago that I was, like, dreading potential tropical storm. And then it was like, nah, it rained hard in the morning. and It was fine. I mean. But it's been a little cooler. Uh, uh, at least... Today got hot, but the last couple of days has been cooler than normal because of um, the the rain. It, it has rained a lot over the last couple of days. Nice. I miss the rain. Well, my dog hates it, so I, I prefer when it doesn't rain because he, he gets very stressed out. It doesn't even matter anymore if it's like lightning or thunder. It's just rain, rain. in general freaks him out. No. Ever since uh, Hurricane Irma, um, he's been just like the rain puts him on edge immediately. Frankie's the best for anyone who doesn't know. He's he he means well, but he can be a bit much at times. <laughs> oh, I think he's the best. Well, so it got it was it's hot all week for you. Yeah, it's supposed anything, to be anything uh fun happen tomorrow. Oof. <clears throat> Oof. Yeah, that's so crazy. Right? I'm this is how I die. Um and like, 7,000 people or something like that lost power here, like, a week and a half ago while it was over 100. And I'm just... The, the electricity depletion or whatever? I think that, yeah, I think it... I don't know technical terms, guys, but I think that it messed up a grid because it was being overused or something. I don't really know. But not me, because I'm still here talking to you. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's just terrible. It's so terrible. Um, I had a surprise day off pretty much on Monday. I only worked for two hours, and then I got to clock out for the day. So I went to, you know, my local record store and got to see people I don't usually get to see because I usually work during the week. So that was nice and fun and got to have lunch with Bill that day. And just I've been getting my house together, which feels really nice because... <laughs> I'm bad at putting things away, guys. I just don't do that. What is that? I I like to keep things out so I know where things are, but right, and then I like start tidying up, and I'm like, but where did it go? <laughs> but <laughs> and yeah, I have a friend coming to visit in September, 
So we're planning oh. for that. Um, we're going to go stay in Sun Valley for a couple days and go kayaking up at Redfish, which is my favorite place in Idaho. So that'll be fun. But yeah. So hiking in, in 100 degree weather doesn't sound very fun. Oh, to me, kayaking. Oh, kai- still, that still sounds hot. Um, but I can but I guess there's water. Dip. Yeah. Or like accidental dips when you keep flipping the boat over. Is that? <laughs> I've never done that. Oh, well, good for you. I would totally, I, I feel like I would flip the boat over. I feel like you'd be good at kayaking. It's not hard. Who knows? I'm not going to find out. So that leads us, uh, I think, to what we've been watching. Um, you want to go first or second this week, Corey? You can go first. All right, I've got I've got a bit. Uh, I'll start with TV. I, I did watch Loki episode uh, five the other day, um, of the six part episodes, and I, I like that series quite a bit. Um, I watched I think episode five of Dave as well. I think that's where we're up to. Um, can't stress how great that show is. I think everyone needs to give it a chance. It is not appropriate for all ages, but um, it is a Hulu slash FX original. It's technically an FX show, but it, it's on Hulu uh, because of their whole deal. I really, really love that show. I think it's great. Um, I watched uh, all of all six episodes of. Ooh, I'm gonna forget what it's called. I think it's Starstruck um, on HBO, and uh, I'm gonna double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, it's a kind of like a little rom com series, and it's uh, it's only six episodes, and they're all like 22 minutes. Um, and it was recommended by the Slash Film Cast. Um, and yeah, it's called Starstruck. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, it stars uh, Rose Matafeo. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but she also uh, created the series and stars in it. And she's terrific. She's super funny, very, very charming. And if you're a rom com fan like I am in general, this one is great. Again, it's technically not a movie though; it is a series. Um, and but it, it definitely hits the rom-com uh, elements pretty hard. So it's, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's also for an HBO series. It's mostly tame, um, especially for a movie that pretty much starts with like a one night stand. Uh, it's, it's not um, graphic in that way. I mean, there's a lot of cursing, but otherwise it's, it's pretty, I don't even know if there's a lot of cursing. There is cursing. Um, but oh wait, are there seven episodes? I might have another episode to go. No, is there six? What's going on on IMDb? You're messing with my my head here. Oh, are they already showing season two? That's why season two is happening. That's good to know. Um, or at least it looks like it's on the it's on the docket. So I hope to see season two. I I enjoyed season one quite a bit. Um, again, it's super easy watch. You can pretty much knock it out like a movie because it's six twenty two minute episodes, so it goes real fast. Ding. And that's the shows that I've been watching, I think. Oh, nope. Yeah, that's the shows. And then uh, I watched a bunch of movies. So let's go from last Saturday. I saw The Forever Purge, uh, which Matt and I reviewed on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, plus my review for it's online. It's fine. I, I, I am a fan of the Purge series overall, but like very casual, like fans is a strong word. I don't dislike them. And I don't mind watching them versus some other series where I can't stand it. Um that said i watched the last part of the twilight franchise i watched breaking down part two yeah. that movie's nuts there's a line in that movie where she says you nicknamed my daughter after the loch ness monster and i said wow that's some writing right there um i watched near dark the Catherine uh bigelow film 
Um, super good. Uh, really, really, really like that movie. That's on Shutter right now, so check that out. Uh, I rewatched for I don't know like the millionth time The Sandlot, and it's probably the first time in a few years that I've watched The Sandlot, and I I've hit that point where I'm I'm uh, old enough where nostalgia makes me sad um, more. Like I was I teared up a few times. And I don't I've never cried during The Sandlot. Um, I teared up at least three times, and one of them was uh, they were talking about how um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez was like in his this is his thing. This is his, I, I love when people find their passion, the thing that they are driven to do above all else. And so like that made me tear up. Like I, I was very surprised at myself. I've seen that movie so many times too. So like I knew scenes were coming and I started like choking up. I'm like, what is happening? But uh really, really love that movie still. Um, I did buy it and then found out it was on Disney plus now. And I was kind of bummed, uh, but I don't mind owning it for, like the fourth time. Cause I've owned it on VHS. I definitely own it on DVD currently. And I own it digital now. It was on sale for five bucks when I bought it. So not an expensive purchase, but nevertheless. Um, Corey, I watched uh, from Martin Scorsese's list of horror films. I watched Dead of Night. Um, not one of the ones on okay, Criterion. This one's on, uh, this one's on Canopy. Uh, oh. So if you have your library card, you can rent it there. Uh, oh, my God. You have to watch this movie, Corey. It's so good. It's so cool. Um, I don't think the, my library the premise- has Canopy. I've asked. It might, because if it's part of, like, any of the uh, contingent kind of things, like, um, that's not the right word. Like, we have a collective. That's the word I wanted. There's a library collective of, like, all the Polk County libraries, and that's where it has Hoopla and Canopy, um, and it's great. Um, but Dead of Night, it starts off this dude, like, goes into this house, and he's like, this feels like a dream that I've had. And he, like, slowly starts recalling things, and... uh the people start talking to him, like telling them their story. So it has like a kind of cat's eye, um, you know, uh, anthology vibe to it in a way. Cause like we cut to all these people's like individual stories, but then they're all collectively mm-hmm. in that room with this guy. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it, but it's really, really cool. Like it's such a cool premise uh, for a horror film. Um, 1945 dead of night. Uh, check that one out for sure. Um, I finally have checked Gone with the Wind off of my gap list, Corey. I I watched Gone with the Wind. Um, I had no idea that uh, Scarlet was going to be uh, a character that you're not supposed to like. I always just assumed Scarlet would be like, yay, man, did not like Scarlet, but you were not supposed to. Um, great performance, of course. Uh, it's obviously a problematic movie, but I am glad I finally watched it. It's obviously, there's a reason it's lasted as long as it has. It is gorgeous at times. Um, Rhett Butler is amazing. Um, I think that's, that's yeah, not that's right. Clark Gable is amazing. Rhett's the character. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did get the, I thought I you got the name right. Never mind. Um, I mean, I meant Clark Gable, but I do like Rhett. Um, but yeah, Scarlett O'Hara, uh, obnoxious. Vivian Lee, of course, fantastic um, in the movie. Uh, I, yeah, um, one of my students, uh, he, he's got like an old soul. He has watched way more movies from that era than I have. Um, that's really where he seems to find a lot of his joy and he's recommended several movies and I've liked most of the ones that he has recommended, uh, a lot actually. And, uh, at the end of the year, he gave me a, a, a nice going away gift. Um, and in the card, he had said, please watch Gone with the Wind over the summer. So I made it a priority and I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, on that note, I watched a new movie that I had missed earlier this year, but I've been wanting to watch, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is on Disney plus right now. It's so good. It's so, so good. I was so into it. Uh, it's, uh, I teared up again. 
Um, not surprised with this one, but there's a lot of great voice acting in it. Aquafina, who has become one of my favorite actresses. I just, if Aquafina is in something, I am, I'm down to give it a go because she's just, she's funny, but she's got such range. Like, I don't, if you haven't seen, uh, the, the, man, my brain is not clicking tonight. Um, well, the uh, man, I cannot think of what it's called. Uh, she was in a, a really good movie, um, a few years ago. God, why can't I think of it? I just taught it too. I, well, it's not going to come to me, uh, but she's tr- she really shows her range in that. But she's funny and everything. She's been in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, she's great in Ryan Last Dragon. I'm looking forward. She's going to be in uh, Shang Chi. That's coming out uh, the new MCU film. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I watched the movie we're about to talk about. But yesterday, I went and saw Black Widow, uh, the return to the MCU in theaters, and uh, I liked it a lot. Florence Pugh is easily one of my favorite actresses and she is so freaking good in black widow um ever i i think the first time i remember like being aware of her was in uh fighting with my family which that same year she had midsummer and then at the end of the year she had little women so she just knocked it out of the park that year but uh a a couple years before that she did lady Macbeth, which i caught after those three films lady Macbeth is amazing as well i think it's called lady Macbeth. um pretty sure and she's terrific in Black Widow. She brings a, a really awesome dynamic to the performance with Scarlett Johansson. I, I like it a lot. I don't think it's an, it's an essential viewing of the MCU, especially because it is a prequel to in, Endgame. So like you kind of know, if you've seen Endgame, you know what's going to happen to Black Widow. And so it's it doesn't feel as like you know as important, but it's still a really cool character story. You get to know a little more about who she was. And, um, again, you get awesome performances from Florence Pugh. Then tonight, just a couple hours ago, I watched the second part of the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. Um, I like part two a lot as well. I'm, I'm all over the series. I think the series is fantastic. I hope they stick the landing with number three. It looks great. I can't wait for next week to watch it. Um, I, I'm, I'm really dig in what they're doing um if you've seen the first one it's very much scream inspired uh and the second one definitely pulls from like sleepaway camp and friday the 13th even though it's 78 so technically it predates both of those movies in that in that way but it's got the slasher camp vibe uh all over the place with that um so really really great and it stars uh if you are a fan of Stranger Things, I think season two and three, Max is a major character. Um, uh, Sadie Sadie Sink, um, and she plays. She's like the lead in this this take on on the story. So um, she's really talented. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what else she does after this. But um, and that's what I've been watching. I know it was quite a bit. Uh, but what about you, Corey? What have you seen since the last time we recorded? Okay, I watched on Shutter. And Unquiet Grave, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I watched Reunion, which was also okay. Nothing, you know, you don't have to run out and see either of those. Reunion was a little better than a, an Unquiet Grave. I watched um, episode one and two of Loki. I really oh. like Hiddleston as Loki. I just really like him. Um but they, it seems really long-winded to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I always give a show three episodes. Bill wants to watch it anyway, so I'll watch the whole thing. But 
Um, and then I've been watching The Office, of course. <laughs> um, it's just like on constant rotation. We finish and we restart it. But I just found out yesterday, guess who's coming to Boise? Is it The Office? Creed, Creed Batten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he tours quite a bit. Yeah, I had no idea. So I think maybe a friend and I might go. Um, he, he does. Is it music or stand up? Uh, I think it's going to be stand up. I think part of it is music. I think he plays, uh, like, a lot of comedians do that, like, hybrid music thing. I think he plays guitar and, and does some stuff. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. I think so. And that is all. Oh, small list this week. No no worries, of course. Um, well, with that, then, let's get into the stats of 42 from 2013. So... Um, I actually want to pull up one more number because I was not sure about it. So 42 is a film that came out in 2013. And I uh, was very interested in seeing, of course, at the time, I was not familiar with Chadwick Boseman yet. Um, obviously, we lost him far too soon. And so that made watching this a little a little harder, I think, um, because of that. Because, like, you know, he's not here anymore. And uh, I've seen a, quite a I've seen most of his movies at this point. I still have a few I got to check off my list. Um, I'm just kind of glancing here. I, I have not seen Get On Up. Uh, I don't know how big of a role he has in Draft Day. Um, I don't know that I want to sit through Draft Day if he's not like a major uh, character in it. Um, he's in Marshall I haven't seen. He's in The Express, which I thought I saw, but I guess I didn't. And then... Um, Gods of Egypt. What is the Kill Hole? That is a terrible name for a movie. The Kill Hole. Oof. I don't know if I want to watch that. Um. This is a. That's a terrible name. Um. Anywho. Uh. So the movie has an eighty-one on Rotten Tomatoes. Not something we often cite here. Uh, Seven point five IMDb user score and a sixty-two Metascore, which I think is going to speak volumes to the overall opinion of this film. It's written and directed by Brian uh, Hel- Helgeland, Helgeland, Helgeland. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it is worthy to note the dude is white. Uh, I think that is relevant, uh, and we'll get into why I think that is relevant in a minute. Um, he also uh, wrote a Knight's Tale, the Heath Ledger um, kind of anachronistic uh, night movie, which is fun, and I like uh, Paul Bettany also in that. Um, he wrote for LA Confidential, which is great. Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. I have not seen. But uh, I've heard mostly positive things. And he directed the film Legend with Tom uh, Hardy and also wrote that, uh, which is about the Cray brothers, uh, the twin like mobsters from England. Um, so. I uh, I picked 42 this week uh, because it was long been on my radar. A lot of people really like this movie. It is um, obviously Jackie Robinson's a an icon uh, in Major League Baseball. He he you know broke quote unquote broke the racial barrier uh of the of the MLB. Um this film stars Chadwick Boseman as Jackie Robinson, uh TR Knight as Harold Parrott. Honestly couldn't tell you which character that is. Um Harrison Ford, which I think is the this should be the second name, IMDB, uh as Branch Ricky, the uh owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um Nicole uh Bari as Rachel Robinson, who is by the last name you could probably put together is Jackie's wife. 
uh, Christopher Maloney as Leo DeRocha, who is the Brooklyn Dodger manager. Um, and then there's a bunch of other people who show up in things. Andre Holland needs to be higher up on this list as he is literally the framing device. Andre Holland, you might know from Moonlight or um, Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird from uh, the Netflix original from two years ago. Um, and uh, also Selma uh, is playing Wendell Smith, who is easily the third most important character, but is lower on this call list. Um, Lucas Black plays Pee Wee Reese. Uh, Alan Tudyk is Ben Chapman. And John C. McGinley shows up briefly as uh, one of, I think he's the announcer. Um, and then there's just a bunch of other guys who are in and out. Uh, some have recurring parts. Some have much less recurring parts. Um, so I'll start. Uh, I, I found this movie to be unbelievably watchable. Um, it's very engaging. It's inspiring. Uh, you always want to see um, movies like this where you get to to see um, progress being made. When we see a, a you know someone who's being oppressed, or uh, you know the world is unfair, and we see someone fight against it and become victorious and successful in it, it's it's an uplifting story, to say the least. Um, and this movie has some great performances. Harrison Ford is not always great. Uh, I like him in a lot of stuff, but sometimes he phones it in. You know, he just feels like he's just there. And I thought he did a really good job in this movie. I, I, I thought um, here I was I was really vibing with what he was doing. Um, I think Chadwick Boseman is fantastic. Uh, where I feel like um, I, I read some articles uh, because I didn't want to... Um, come from this angle because I, I feel like it's uh, a little, not hypocritical, but maybe a little pointed in exactly the criticism that I'm about to make is this movie has a major white savior problem um, in that this movie has two leads. It is called 42 because that was Jackie Robinson's number. Um, it is Jackie Robinson's story and Jackie Robinson is attributed as breaking the racial barrier. However, this movie approaches it from the angle of one capitalism that money is the, the most important thing and money will, will change the world in a very positive way, not in a negative way. Um, and then that branch Ricky uh, is as important to this story as Jackie Robinson himself. And in a lot of ways it does take away agency from Robinson's character. Um, I, I technically, I guess we've spoiled the plot in that does. Well, no, it's a true story though. I mean, it is a true story. And it's, it's a, not just a true story. It's an iconic true story that literally changes Major League Baseball because before Robinson, no African-American players or black players were allowed in the MLB or whatever it was called at the time. I don't know if it was Major League Baseball yet or if that became later. But um, our, uh, sorry, Branch Ricky decides, we don't know why other than money is what we're told, Um that he chooses to, he's going to sign a, a black player from the, the league, um, the exclusive black league, which I, I just don't feel comfortable calling it what it was called at the time. Um, and that's at the very beginning. Uh, the only other framing device we get at the beginning is Wendell Smith's character, which is Andre Holland, uh, as the reporter kind of telling us this success story yet. It's then wrapped in that branch. Ricky, uh, chooses. I mean, imagine starting like Star Wars with with not, and we don't start with Luke Skywalker, 
right? In, in the New Hope, we start with Vader and Leia and and the 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 droids. But imagine if it was like Yoda saying, "We're going to go and get the new Jedi who's going to f- save everything," as opposed to Luke choosing to go um, and following the path. Because that's ultimately what we get here is Branch Ricky says, I'm going to find the first black player. And then we see like him recruiting and it has really no, no agency. The only agency we get from Jackie Robinson is that he's not willing to just accept the status quo. He's not, he'll, he'll follow the rules, but he'll push back as well. And where that capitalism theme really comes back in. And not all these thoughts are mine. I will share the articles that I, uh, that I read. Um, but the, they're getting gas and the guy uh, is fine with pumping gas for a black baseball team's bus because it's a lot of gas and he's going to make a lot of money. Like a hundred gallons. But he's not going to, yeah, he's not going to let Jackie Robinson use the bathroom. And then Jackie Robinson says, fine, we'll go get gas somewhere else. And the guy concedes, thus proving that if the price is high enough, there is no such thing as segregation, ultimately, especially because they were in a very southern state. I don't I think it was Missouri or Mississippi where they were getting gas. So a very or Alabama at the worst, uh, it, it was in the south where it would have been very likely for them to be denied or you know worse. So all of that to say um, it is it's a story that should be told. It's a story that um, people probably are familiar with the very basic element but maybe not all of the the details of course i don't know how accurate any of the the historical elements are um obviously things are going to be dramatized uh in a in a film but there there is still without question a white savior problem here um at least to a degree and again i don't know that um brian helgeland was the guy to tell the story he obviously was the one who got to tell the story but it does seem like if you're if you're telling a story of a of a black person overcoming racial barriers, it would make sense for a black director to get the opportunity to tell the story. Um, I don't feel like that's a controversial statement. It might be, uh, but I, we've heard things like that with um, Steven Spielberg directing *Color Purple*. He himself has said he probably wasn't the person who should have directed that. He definitely wasn't the person who should have directed *Amistad*. Um, you know, we, and we can see this throughout, uh, uh, our very brief history of film. It's a hundred years, just over a hundred years old at this point. And there's a lot of stories from other cultures who are told by people who maybe don't have the most experience with telling that story. That's not to say you have to be in order to do it, but it does seem to make sense in most cases that a person who is more invested in in the outcome of the story being told, especially in a true story to have the opportunity to do so seems logical. Um, That said, I I didn't mean to get on that soapbox immediately, but uh, if we're going to talk about this film, I think that is definitely a part that needs to be addressed. I do think it's a very good movie. I think it's very, very watchable, but it's hard to ignore those clear problematic elements um and then i will talk more specific about scenes and stuff momentarily i'm sorry Corey, i did not mean to take so much of the time right away but what, no, what were your thoughts of 42 um i was a little nervous not the longest movie that you've made me watch <laughs> but i was like oh no. two hours and eight minutes but actually it went by really fast 
It does. It does really go by fast. Yes. Um, I will say that I know nothing about sports. Like, not even just baseball. I just have never been invested in sports. I don't really understand how people live and die by them. You know, I just, I've never gotten it. So I'm one of those people that I I barely even knew, like, the tip of the iceberg about, you know, I, I've heard of Jackie Robinson. I didn't even realize, like, that, you know, what time period that took place in. I, so I went into this really ignorant. Um, so I felt like I, I learned a lot. Um, well, I learned some things, you know. I enjoyed watching it, but I can understand where it's probably problematic. And I feel like it was made to be really palatable. Um, Definitely. To people. Yes, good word. Uh, and I'll get into that. We'll get into that more, I'm sure, when we start talking about it. But I haven't seen a lot of Chadwick Boseman. Um so I am glad I got to see this. Um, yeah. And before we get into spoilers and stuff, um, I read one of the the uh, articles I read, and I did send to, to Corey as well. Um, the awful conservatism of forty two uh, from Real Changer uh, is, I think, the website. I will. I'll actually have the links in the show notes. So if you want to read the articles yourself. Um, I don't see a, a real name. I only see his name as Real Changer, and it's R E E L Changer. Um, I don't see his like. I don't know if he has like another name he goes by as the author of the article. Doesn't look like it. But I really liked his take on it. A lot of what I said came partly from that article. But I I went looking for this article because I was watching it, thinking this feels problematic. Um, again, very palatable, very very watchable, and again, really good movie. But um, there's just, you know, I, I've studied film for a while now. It's not just something I watch passively or, or for sheer entertainment. I look at what movies say and how we say it and all of that. And um, anytime, uh, Chris Rock, actually, the other article is from cinemablend.com. And um, Chris Rock had, uh, in his special features of the uh, his directed film Top 5, there's a stand-up clip from the movie like so it's not him doing stand-up it's him in character doing stand-up and um but he's talking about this movie and why he doesn't like it and he mentions in general every time there's a movie about a black person overcoming the odds he's always the co-lead with a white character who's there for him and a really great example and there's actually um i didn't send this to you but there's a seth meyers bit it's a five minute like short uh segment um called white savior and uh it's it's it really sets up and explains the trope more it's really great i will also link to that video in the show notes but um uh hidden hidden figures it was another movie that got a lot of attention for the kevin costner character who was not a real person he was an amalgamation of multiple people but is given some major scenes where he stands up and like fights for uh the woman who is a real person who actually did amazing things and was already doing amazing things before the moments in the film depict. And yet he's written in to kind of make it well, more palatable, you know um, it's much easier apparently for some people to accept 
that this change happened if it wasn't solely the actions of a black individual. And that is a shame. Um, but I do think it, it's like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? Like you can't just accept this. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like to talk politics and I am often afraid of saying things that are, are controversial, but I don't think saying that humans deserve to be treated equally I don't should like be controversial. You know. I don't understand that logic. It shouldn't be because all I'm, I'm not saying anyone should be treated bad or worse. I'm saying everyone should be treated humanely and good and not be, you know, victimized or, or traumatized or hurt because of any reason, their skin color, their, their uh, religion, their ethnicity, any of that should not be a reason to treat someone differently or to restrict their ability to function as a person in society. Um, and stories like Jackie Robinson remind us that it was a bigger problem. Um, and then it also reminds us that it's still not fixed because when you have a movie like this, that can't just be about Jackie Robinson, that Sorry. it has to be about him and the, the, the manager. Um, you know, and again, too, because you get Andre Holland, who is eighth build on IMDb, but he's like it, the movie's framed from his reporter's character telling the story. It's how is he eighth build? That's ridiculous. And that there are four white guys ahead of him, five, five, sorry, five white guys ahead of him on the list. And uh, the some of the scenes in the film, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, but um. That said, all of that said, it's still a really entertaining movie. Um, oh, The Blind Side is another one that's really bad with the white savior thing. But um, maybe even worse because it's totally framed from her story of like, look how I helped this black kid. But. Oh, and Green Room, of course, total ridiculously white savior movie that won an Oscar. Um, Green Room? Uh, sorry, sorry. Green Book. Green Room is fantastic. Okay. Did not win an like, Oscar. was like, what? Green, green book. Yeah. Green room is about Nazis, but <laughs> it's not yeah. a white savior movie at all. Um, but nevertheless, sorry, again, pontificating a little more than I mean to be, but I, I, you know, um, when you look at film history, white men dominate, especially in the director chair. And so, not acknowledging something like this is I think problematic in and of itself. So I, I am throwing that out there. You are welcome to disagree. Um, I think there are a lot of people who, who feel representation has always been on imbalanced in on screen. Um, there's a lot of tropes that we can point to, to, to back that up. Uh, and you know, um, here's a, a superstar Chadwick Boseman who becomes a superstar and unfortunately we've lost far too soon um, getting to play this important figure in American history, but also in um, sports history. And yet he is not the only lead. He should be the only lead in this film. And he's not because um, again, branch Ricky and again, great performance from Harrison Ford. I think he does a really good job here, but it's too much. Uh, that said, we're going to get into spoilers because I think if we're going to talk scenes, we might as well just like make that the spoiler point. So Corey, give them the warning guys from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. 
So I want to start with Alan Tudyk, who I am a big, big fan of. I like Alan Tudyk a lot. If you're not familiar with him as an actor, um, he's in Firefly, uh, which of course means he's in Serenity. He's the voice of K2SO in the Star Wars Rogue One film, who was one of my favorite parts of that film. Um, I mean, he's in tons of movies also in night's tale i did not realize that i always forget he's in that um he's great in most things he's a voice actor too so he's in tons of animated stuff that you you've seen and sometimes he's doing like just like animal noises and stuff like he's not always having lines of dialogue but he's a terrific actor i was so surprised that he took this role in this movie where he has to say the n-word so many times in like a, it's a relatively short scene. It feels long because it is excruciatingly painful. I think it is. I feel like the scene's important. Um, but at the same time, it is like it feels excessive by the end of it. Where you're like, how many times did he say that word? He's in so many movies. Like if you look at at Alan Tudyk's like IMDb, he's just in so much stuff. Because again, he does voice acting and he's just. In, he's a character actor so he's in tons and tons of stuff um and he's great i'm a i'm a big alan tudyk fan i still i'm i mean he's obviously worked with this director before because again i mentioned night sale but uh it there's no reward for a white actor to play this racist of a character um you know what i mean like especially if people only see you in this, like if, because uh, again, it does a lot of voice acting. So people aren't going to see him. So if, if you've only ever seen 42 with Alan Tudyk and you're like, that's the guy who says that a whole bunch of times, really, you know, a, a big risk. Uh, I, I, there's an interview with him. I've not watched yet, but where he kind of talks about taking this role. And I'm curious uh, to hear his thoughts on why, like why do it or why risk it, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, not the first white actor to have to say the N-word. Tons of actors have had to do it, um, have played the racist guy in movies. Um, and, there, you know, he's not played as a good guy or anything like that. But but uh, that scene, whew, excruciating. What, what, what did you uh, take on that scene, Corey? Yeah. Yeah. But then on, like, the other hand, like, we see that scene. We see how some of the people in the audience like yell at oh, Jackie yeah. Robinson and we see that he's not allowed to stay in hotels which mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about like the traveling part of baseball or any sport I know again ignorant I just don't think about things that I don't think about you know what I mean like why would I think about sure. that why would I even you know why would that even come to mind um you know that he can't stay in hotels so He's staying at home, people's homes in the cities that they travel to. And we get that one old a-hole that comes up and he's like, well, I'm not going to do anything, but there are some boys coming that are going to, and they have Uh to leave in the middle of the night. And I mean, those are all terrible things, but I feel like if you're the first black player in you know, Major League Baseball or whatever it was called back then, like you said, mm-hmm. that there was probably a lot worse or it was even more excessive. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they still pulled back a lot. It shouldn't all be about that. Uh, you know what I mean? That's what I mean about so. it being palatable. I feel like, 
I mean, they say some pretty horrible things about his wife one time. Um, one time he and his wife are out walking and someone's coming up and it seems a little aggressive, but then it's actually, this guy's actually just pulling for him. And, you know, if a guy's got the goods and he can play, then he should be able to play. But I feel like it was in the 40s, right? Yeah. 19... 47, uh. I think. 1947 is the the year the April 15th 1947 is when he starts on the Brooklyn Dodgers which is the official uh MLB changing of uh the race line but he'd been playing for their their the farm Monarch. club um right. yeah no the Monarchs was the Negro League um he was playing for uh their farm club was uh man I can't think of what it was it was um uh it was a Canadian team I think I can't think of what their team was but he he starts with them and then he gets moved up to the brooklyn dodgers okay um I, i'm trying to find it i'm looking at his wikipedia now but i don't see it because it's gonna make me not think of it but keep keep going it, just stuff like that i feel like i don't think that the whole movie should be all of those things montreal royals perfect okay um but i still feel like they really those are all awful things still. I'm not saying that they're not at all, but. I f- You're saying there was probably worse situations mm. uh, that he encountered and we don't see the worst things. Right. Kind of. I feel like it was kind of me, which is possible. It's also possible because he was being protected by, uh, by the team because they were like, you know, they knew what they were doing was going to ruffle feathers, uh, even though, like, in Brooklyn, it wasn't going to be as bad, but it going because they travel and going to the but, southern states for teams, that was, like, because what upset me was that minor league moment was in Daytona here in Florida, which I, I somehow fooled myself for a long time that Florida was not as involved with racism. Like, as you always hear, like, Mississippi, Missouri, Alabama, even Georgia. But you never, I never heard stories about Florida growing up. Now, keep in mind, I grew up in Florida, so maybe they purposely, let's not say what Florida did. We'll just talk about the states around us. And so I never thought of Florida as being racist um, in the same way that other areas were. But it's become much more apparent over the last couple of years that, you no, know, Florida had its, its, the same dark, moments uh in our history that the other southern states have had i was surprised though that like that one really bad scene with that guy alan tudyk um that was he they're from philadelphia though yes you know that's like my ignorance is i thought that most of that stuff was concentrated in the south yeah that and um, that's another, I think one of those things, uh, to be fair, he is the coach of Philadelphia. It doesn't mean he's from Philadelphia, right? Word. So he could have grow, grown up in a, and he, I don't know for sure. I don't know the history of that particular coach or anything, but, um, but there is a, you know, there's a lot of moments, uh, cause even there you understand why Jackie Robinson can't act out. Like we're told why and he has the scene where he goes like, not until he goes like, he's walking back to the clubhouse kind of thing. And he like smashes the bat and he screams and it's very emotional. And Bo- Bozeman does a terrific job selling that emotion, but on screen, he still gets saved by one of his other, uh, his co- players, one of his 
what, what do you say? Like his teammates, there's the word teammates guys. That's the man. <laughs> We're struggling. Um, his teammate comes to his aid, which you want to see. You want to see other people not stand for the intolerance or the injustice. Uh, but there's that, that thing is like, well, okay. I want, I, I want to see other people not allow for such horrible things to happen, but I also don't want it to be where a, a white person has to come to be the hero in every situation. And that's like, there's the, I think it's Pee Wee Reese who puts his arm around him at his, when they're, he's in his hometown and he was like the guy had received a letter like that. You know, if you play with him, we're going to disown you, that kind of thing. And there's that really sad moment where the kid is in the stands. who's all excited to see his, his family member play. Then here's people like, uh, cat or not cat calling. What's the um, heckling Robinson with the racial slurs and the the kid. He's like under 12 starts repeating the, the racial slurs and it's horrible. But then he sees his family member put his arm around him and there's this hug. And it's again, it's like cool, but, and they do, I do want to give some credit because there's a few moments where, where Robinson questions the actions of white characters coming to his aid. Why did you do that? What's your motivation? What are you really after? And so at least there's some level of like skepticism that he like, you're not doing this for me or for black people. You're doing this so that you feel better about yourself or you're doing this for your own gains. It's not really about helping me or helping the black popula population, but it, overall it still is never like downplayed as like, a negative thing like like the conversations about money and our and branch ricky you're almost just like yeah yeah okay why not money's good everyone likes money there's no such thing as race it, it, with money it's only green right like that's a, a, a paraphrase of a line in the movie um uh, leo derosha the manager of the dodgers he's asked um by uh ricky if he will manage um him and the quote that is here, it says, I do not care if the guy is yellow or black or if he has stripes like a effing zebra. I'm the manager on this team and I say he plays. What's more, I say he can make us all rich. And if any of if any of you cannot use the money, I will see see that you are all traded. So even there, like there's the implication of money is more important than someone's race. Like that I don't I, I he might have been racist if not for money kind of thing. That's the implication, um, which could be true. Mind you, it's not to say that uh, the writer director has made up facts. Um, and this, what I'm reading is not about the movie. I'm reading Jackie Robinson's Wikipedia page. So I don't know where that quote came out of, if it did come out of the movie, cause it's definitely in the movie. Um, or if that was like a known quote that maybe he's, he's cited in a, to a magazine. It doesn't give uh I don't see it being accredited to anything on this Wikipedia page. Um, so it's probably from the movie and it's being said that, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I did. There is, there is a source. It's from, uh, out of the shadows, African-American baseball from Cuban giants to Jackie Robinson. So there is a source that's claiming that's where that quote is from. So again, um, that's in the movie. And so that's good. You know, I'm sure that, uh, Helgen did his research and that a lot of it is there. And I think there's goodwill there. Obviously, anytime you make a movie, your hope is to make money. 
that is, or someone's hope is to make money. There's their producers are expecting money. The studio wants money. Obviously actors get paid a lot. So like there's, there's a level of expectation of the movie making money. That's always built into the art form. That said, just because something is commercial doesn't mean it can't say something. And this movie does say some really important things again, though, in some problematic ways. Um, but it's still, got the story out there and people maybe who were not aware or like Corey, who's not a big sports person saw this now and, and has maybe a little more respect for the athletes or for what they were able to do, that kind of thing. And like you said too, there are situations that people like Jackie Robinson, or I think in green book um, where you don't think about all of the areas that they're going to face racism Um, in uh one night in Miami, the Regina King film from last year. Um, there's a sequence early in the film. It's like in the, it's our introduction to the fridge. I hope that's the right person. Um, and he's talking to this other, this white guy, uh, and who's, uh, Bo Bridges, I think is the actor playing the character. And, um, they're having this really conversation and Bo Bridges characters telling, uh, you know, the guy, he's like, Hey, yeah, you know, you're, you're amazing. You're great. And then uh, his daughter runs out. I was like, "Hey, Dad, you need to move this thing." And and the guy, the football player, offers to help. He's like, "Oh, you don't have to do that. Besides, you know, you can't. You know, we don't let black people in the house." And like, he doesn't say black people. You know, obviously, he says the other word. And it's like he was just praising the guy and talking about how much he loved him, but he's not allowed to come in the house. And that's one of those things where you're just like, "Man, how can you you be like able to say how?" much you like somebody and then still think that um those are things where you don't think about those little things where these people who are celebrities who are beloved by all still get treated differently because of their skin color like you don't think about those little things like you think about the obvious big things the the segregation of like whites and black bathrooms and whites and black water fountains and things like that we know about those but those little like encounters that you don't always you're not always thinking about like you said them traveling and having to stay in all these different cities and how dangerous it was as people were like we see the whole team is turned away from a hotel that the the team has used for years simply because they've allowed robinson to play so like stuff like that it's it's crazy to see because again i don't think you think of all of those um, connective lines you know you, you know the big stuff but those those little variables that change from situation to situation you're not you're not thinking about because you're not the one going through it and so things like movies like this get to open our eyes to those things so there is again my criticisms are not that this movie shouldn't exist um it's that it could it could the same story could have been done even better justice than what it's given. And again, I think it's given quite a bit of justice. I think there's some really good stuff here. I think the performances are really good. I think it's a, it's a movie people aren't going to turn off and that's important, right? Because some movies like, like I like Selma a lot, but I think Selma is going to turn some people away because it isn't a feel good movie. Like, so that's not even say because of what the movie's saying, people aren't going to watch it, but because it's a tough movie, it's a movie, you know, for a long time, I avoided movies that had anything that would make me feel sad because I didn't want to feel sad when I was watching a movie. I don't do that now, but there's a lot of people I talk to who they only watch movies that they think are engaging, entertaining. And so a movie like 42, like you said, is very palatable. If you like baseball, 
you're going to take something from this. I mean, this isn't a baseball movie in the sense like it to me, it doesn't feel like a sports film um, in and up in its entirety, but there's definitely sports film elements in here. You are concerned with like the teams is the team winning is the team doing well because it's tied to Jackie Robinson's success. If the team's losing, then this was a failed experiment bringing him in. But if, if he comes in and the team's winning and they're doing really well, well, it makes the, the, co- the owner look like he made the right decision and helps to break the color barrier. Because if, if you allow people of different races to play, the game can be more engaging or more entertaining, more inclusive. And so it's there, but, but yeah. Um, all right, I've spoken a lot. Corey, is there any scene in the film you want to talk about? Anything else? Mm, no. Oh, actually, well, I did like at the end where they like gave us the, you know, like this is where they went afterwards. And the very yes. next year, two more black players were added. I'm not sure if they were added to the same team or just to the league, but, you know... Yeah, it, it was almost instantaneous, I guess. Um, not not complete, you know, integration, but a lot more players were allowed to join after Robinson broke the barrier. Um, oh, I wanted to say, too, just another thing that I didn't think about. Like, again, I know, like, nothing about sports. I've heard sports recordings or, like, the people giving commentary during, like, sports games or whatever. But I didn't even think about it. That was it. Is his name Wendell? the what's his name the sports writer oh yes Wendell. Wendell I wasn't even thinking about that he wasn't sitting with the other people yeah because I just don't even know and then when they finally show us I'm like oh my god he's not in the box with the guys with other people you know yeah I really like that scene with him and Jackie uh, in the car when like Jackie's giving him the cold shoulder and kind of a lot of attitude and he's finally like, all right hold up what's the deal and that conversation i think is really great um i also i really liked uh nicole bahari um her performance as rachel robinson i I like the dynamic between the two um i think that relationship is really important to kind of establishing his character outside of sports yeah um and i like that a lot agreed i'm really done now. well i think yeah, I think that's all we need to say about 42. Uh, it is, again, it is a very engaging film. I totally understand why people like it. I like it. I just think, you know, it's a story that should have been told um, and I probably will be retold at some point. I would imagine it's still kind of fresh right now. Um, but, I, you know, I wish we could have told it without the problematic elements. Again, I do encourage you, even if you disagree with me, um, that you read the articles and... Uh, the white savior trope is a thing and you know it that's not to say and i do think there is a a slippery slope of we we want people of all races to fight for everybody to be treated fairly like i think that's a like a, a key thing that is where i say it's a slippery slope is you don't want to imply that white people shouldn't help but that doesn't mean that they they should get to be the co-lead of this story it's ju- it should be jackie robinson's story and i have made similar complaints with other biopics in the past where i feel like this movie 
is it should be focused on the character as opposed to an adjacent character. You know, if it's the movie about so-and-so, then let's make that movie about that person and not, not feel like you're taking away from that person's story by adding other people's stories to it. I can't, there was one recently I saw where I was, I felt very strongly about like that. They, they took away the, the main characters, um, story. I can't think of what it was right now, but it, it's, it's something I watched over the last year. And I think that's true of any biopic and not necessarily race connected. Just like if it's about this character, let's tell that character's story. And this movie does that, but it also tells Ricky's story or I keep, yeah, it's Ricky's is the, the owner's last name. Um, so that said, uh, that's our review of 42. I definitely think it is a, I'll even go as far to say, I think it's a not quite, I don't think it's quite a must see because again, you know, there are issues, but I think it's not quite golden for me. Uh, what do you think? Corey? I think that also I would lean towards must see. Yeah. I think it's very, it's hard to not say watchable. That. Yeah. So next week we're, we're shifting gears a lot um, because we're going not in a, a, in a bad way. I just, it's, you know, I think Jackie Robinson's story is one that probably everyone should know because it is, again, a major milestone in the uh, civil rights. Not the civil rights movement, because technically it's ahead of the civil rights movement, but it, it definitely helps spark the civil rights movement, right? We're, we're, they're working for equality. Um, Bronson from 2008 definitely isn't about that at all. And nor is it about a man who is good, from my understanding. Um Bronson, uh, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, a very, for me, controversial director. And I think this is one of his only films I've not seen. Um, oh, and I, I guess Valhalla Rising, which I don't know if I'll ever get to that one. But, um, wow. Or maybe there's a couple more that I didn't know he directed. But, um, nevertheless, Bronson uh, is, this is from Letterboxd, a young man who was sentenced to seven years in prison for robbing a post office ends up spending 30 years in solitary confinement. During this time, his own personality is supplanted by his alter ego, Charles Bronson. Uh, early Tom Hardy movie from 2008 um, also stars Matt King, James Lance, Kelly Adams, Katie Barker, Amanda Burton, people I don't know, basically. Um, it is available to watch on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's also apparently right now on Tubi TV and Vudu free, so you can watch it with commercials on those two networks. Um, this movie was recommended by our uh, old podcast partner, Mike Sanchez, um, on a top five episode years ago. And it's been on my radar ever since. And I just have never made it uh, to watch it. So now I'm finally going to do so. In fact, um, I mentioned to Mike that we were doing biopics and immediately he was like, have you watched Bronson yet? I was like, next week. We are watching it next week. Um, so I'm excited to uh, to finally check this one off the old gap list. Uh, technically, this is Corey's pick, although I think I did force this one on yeah, you. Um, I'm kidding. Oh, Corey was waiting. I know. So long. Anyway, I'm um, terrible. Anywho, that's what we're going to be watching next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews on all the socials, and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And if you like what you're what we are doing here on this podcast, we ask that you take a minute and rate and review us. Um, we talk movies, and if you like movies and movie talk, we thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of Bronson. Until next time, 
keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com